John Newton has passed away and gone to heaven. It just keeps on being sung. What a great message that song has. Well, take your Bible. Look over the book of 2 Corinthians again, chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, we're going to read a few verses. Hoping this Sunday and to have a basic, a, a brief, just a very brief um, update on what's been going on at the carousel the last week or two. There's a few, uh, uh, some just short little video clips and some pictures and stuff and maybe just a little two-minute, three-minute little thing just to kind of keep you updated what's been going on around there. A lot was accomplished this last week or so and uh, just a lot of progress made. And yet on the other hand, uh, a lot more work uh, created, if you know what I mean. So uh, we're, we're still, uh, I want to keep you updated on that. I want you to continue to pray about our buildings. I, I did talk to a gentleman today I had contacted, and, uh, you know, nothing, not even, you know, I can't really tell you that he's interested in the building at this point, but he is looking to possibly um, buy, uh, possibly buy a building to lease it, okay? Uh, so, you know, every, any, little, any little glimmer like that, we certainly want to be praying about. So just be praying that the Lord will have his will there again. We know God can work through a number, a number of means and a number of ways. And, uh, but but uh, like I say, when we see something like that, we certainly want to specifically say, Lord, you know, if this is the man, then let it take place and let things work out the way it should. And so we'll be praying about those things as well. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Let's go ahead and take a look over there. The Bible says, Be, not, be ye not unequally yoked together. With unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore... Come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now again, we've been dealing with this area or this issue of growing in the Christian life. And the specific topic under that is biblical separation or Bible separation. Now it needs to be understood that we never really grow in the Christian life till we have understood and exhibit biblical separation. What we do today is often is that we get saved and then we pretty much stop if we're not careful. God's intent is not that we stop growing at that point. God's intent is that we continue to grow. Biblical separation is something that every believer ought to participate in or at least and, and exhibit in their life. If there's a lack of separation in the sense of biblical separation, we have some problems. You know, it's an, it is a, a symptom of immaturity in the Christian life. 
It doesn't mean that somebody's just a bad person. It doesn't mean that they're, they don't love God. But it can mean, in most cases, it would mean that they have not matured in their Christian life to the degree that they should, or that they aren't growing as God would have them. So it's imperative and it's very important that we understand that biblical separation is part of our Christian journey. And we need to yield to Christ and the Word of God in these areas. And so we began to talk about it, we dealt with it, and we we said how as believers we're definitely unique, we're different. Even as believers in the New Testament, we're peculiar people, according to the Word of God. And we said that scriptural separation, the source of it began with God. And then, of course, it is um, reinforced and it is uh, demonstrated in the Word of God. We, We noted all of those things. And we ultimately came to the point where we started talking about not only the source of biblical separation, but we then began to delve into the scope of scriptural separation. And what we said to begin with, when we consider the scope of it, we said that biblical separation addresses every area of our Christian life. It has to do with every aspect of our life now as believers. But we said that if we're going to deal with biblical separation, it needs to begin on the inside, not just be a manifestation of the outside. I didn't say that we shouldn't conform to the outside before we have developed our own convictions. I believe somebody that is involved in alcohol and drinking liquor, whether they understand it or not, should say, I'm a Christian, I don't do that now. So there are aspects of separation that we apply to our lives before we even fully comprehend or fully understand why. We know that Christians don't drink alcohol. That's just common sense and it's biblical truth. You don't drink alcohol. You don't drink liquor. You don't get drunk. You don't do that as a believer if you're truly following and adhering to biblical standards. Now you can go ahead and embrace the world's philosophy that you can drink wine and you can drink different liquor and different things at Christmas and different times as long as it's social, it's all right. Go ahead and drink your liquor socially and your children will be drunkards more than likely. I mean, you've got to understand this isn't about you. This is about Christianity and its future. This is about your family and the faith. You need to separate yourself under the things that honor Christ and do not reflect on Him negatively and do not embrace the world's philosophies. So we've got to be careful. Now, again, that was just a little addition. I thought you'd enjoy it. And I don't think we have any issues here. I'm not saying there is. I'm just saying I'm saying it because I don't think everybody understands that Christians should not do the things that the world does when they are clearly told not to in the Bible. It's just pretty simple. But unfortunately, because we are not always as spiritually mature, and we haven't really gone through the Word of God as we ought to, we don't really even know what's right and wrong sometimes. We really don't. And that's why it's imperative also that there are leaders in a church and that there are people that care for one another that lovingly, consistently, and graciously address those issues with people that they've invested in. 
Not somebody go up to somebody and say, I heard you were drinking the other night. No, I'm talking about somebody that you shake hands with regularly, that you've been out uh, or maybe at a, a class fellowship with, that you've called on the phone and prayed together in the prayer cabinet, and you've invested in each other's lives, and you see something like that that you know is obviously and very glaringly unbiblical, and you say, you know, brother, I, I don't even know. You may not even know this, but over here in the book of such and such, it says this. I don't know if you've ever even heard that verse. Have you ever heard that? No, well, I really haven't. I'm just concerned because I don't want to see you happen to go on off the deep end accidentally. Because I care about you. You're important to me. Well, I don't think they'll get too mad at you for that. I'm just saying we need to be careful how we do those things, but we certainly need to be in a position to do so. Now, biblical separation has a scope, and it addresses all areas. We started talking about associations, and we said how be not deceived, evil communications corrupts good manners. And so we noted that, that you've got to be careful who you hang around, because ultimately that's who we become. And, you know, it's not just teenagers that struggle with this, is it? It's adults. We struggle with it. I mean, I want to fit in. I don't want to be an outcast. I don't want to be considered weird or, or crazy or different. I mean, it's kind of hard not to. You've all told me I'm weird. But anyway, I've learned to deal with it. But, you know, honestly, who, want, who in the world wants to be that? I mean, we all want to be accepted and loved and received. But the fact is, is that, is that we have to be very careful that we don't allow ourselves to be influenced in a negative way or in a way that ultimately will affect our testimony for Christ down the road. Now, we talked about those things, okay, and we de- addressed them. Now, I want to move on. I want to talk about a couple of other areas. We're talking about the scope of biblical standards. We said our associations, number one. But then number two, our activities. Our activities. We need to be careful when we start dealing with activities because the Bible gives us a very clear warning. It says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You know, we, we're talking about activities. If they are distinguishably worldly, distinguishable, I mean, they are known, I mean, that's a, I mean, for instance, to go to a frat party on campus at the University of Akron is obviously an activity that the world takes part in. That's not an activity that is something that Christians are known to take, care of, take part in. If a Christian's taking part in that activity, then they're either backslidden or somebody drugged them before they ever got there. And they don't even know they're there. I'm not trying to be mean or nasty, but you don't go to a drunken bash if you're a Christian. Because that is, that, that is fellowshipping with the unfruitful works of darkness. It's that simple. And so we've got to be careful. Eve, in the Garden of Eden, found herself torn between the command of God 
and the desire to eat of the forbidden fruit, didn't she? She struggled. And you know what? If we're not careful, we feel that God's commands are designed to bring us sorrow when in reality they're designed to bring us safety. Eve would have been wise to have no fellowship at all with the serpent association. And instead, she should have even reproved him. And then when she began to reach out to take that fruit, piece of fruit, she not only then broke her her biblical separation in the area of association, but now she was breaking it in the area of activity. Now she was involving herself in something that was clearly going against God's commands or something that did not glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, she'd have been wise to have no fellowship with that servant, but instead, a serpent, but instead she, she bought the lie, didn't she? And she was convinced that she and her husband were missing out on something. And you know, when, you, when Satan can get you to believe you're missing out on something, he's got you. You know, isn't it funny? I remember when I was a youngster, and uh, my mom would go to church all the time on Sunday evenings. And at that time, my dad wasn't quite as, he wasn't involved in church quite like he is now. And he would stay home sometimes and watch the ball games on Sundays. Do you know, you know, that my mom wanted me to go to church. And can I be quite frank, and I don't mean to embarrass my family in any way, but you can learn from this. My dad would say things like, well, it's hardly, you can hardly make him go to church when I'm staying home watching the game. Ma'am, make him go anyway. But anyway, here, here's, the, here's the thing. I thought I was missing out on something when I went to church. I thought that missing the ball game, because I loved football. So when I'd go to church sometimes, I'd be sitting there thinking, man, next week I'm going to stay home. Because I'm missing something. And then I'd stay home from church on Sunday night. Why? Because I thought I was missing something. So what I did was, I took myself away from the things that honored Christ, glorified the Lord, and that biblically and scripturally were sound. And I went ahead and I entered into a realm that was not scriptural. Because I thought I was missing something. And you know, that's why men will leave their wives. And that's why women leave their husbands. And that's why teenagers leave the church. That's why adults leave the church. That's why we do the things we do. Because we feel we're missing something. We're missing out on it. If the devil can get us to believe what Eve believed, then guess what? He's got you. And boys, believers, you've got to be careful because when we're talking about biblical separation, it often feels like God's telling us we can't do this and can't do that and not allowed to go there and not allowed to be with that one. And, and, and there is an aspect of that that's true. But what's really going on is the devil, more than anything, is saying, you're missing out. The, the Lord is not your friend and he's not your buddy, obviously, because he doesn't want you to enjoy life. He wants you to be miserable. You're missing out on the fun things, the good things. 
You know, it's that video game that you know you shouldn't be playing that's called Diablo, which says means devil. Why would you play a game called devil? I'm sorry, but why would you play a game called devil? I'm sorry, but why would you play a game called devil? I'm sorry. But doesn't something inside you, doesn't the Holy Spirit of God tell you that devil is not a game you ought to play? You know why you play it? Because the devil's told you you're going to miss out on something. It's that simple. If I don't play it, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to lose some aspect of pleasure. And I can handle it. I can deal with it. Okay. Association is one. But activity is another. You're to separate yourself from certain activities that can be clearly identified as worldly. Now again, I don't think I have to give a list of what is worldly. I may mention things from time to time, but let me say this. I think that if you legitimately care, the Holy Spirit will make it very clear what is not appropriate. Now, if you teach Sunday school or sing in the choir or uh, stand on stage and do, uh, do different uh, you know, specials and things, then we have standards for that. Then, then it matters what our standards are because we're trying to ensure that there's a level of commitment there. And that's a decision you make before you step up into that role. You choose whether or not you can adhere to that standard or that it is legit in your life. See, the goal is not for you to say, I'll do that so I can sing in the choir. The real thing is, and the, the hopeful thing is, is that you will make a decision that in your life you need to be separated from certain associations and certain activities and therefore be qualified to do that. That's the goal. Now... If we're not careful, we become somewhat arrogant and prideful to believe that we can somehow be the exception to God's rules. When God says things like, thou shalt not, or, or he makes it clear that certain things are not profitable for the believer. I mean, let's face it, all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient, right? I mean, under grace, I can do anything I want, right? Well, you can, I guess. I guess, theoretically, you could go out and kill somebody and still go to heaven. I, I, I mean, if the Bible's true, you could. And if you truly, genuinely meant your, you know, what you said and you, you gave your heart and life to Christ, I guess, theoretically, you could. I, I don't know that you should want to, nor would you. I mean, unless you're provoked to have to do something because of, to save your family or to care, you know, to protect your home. But I mean, just to go out and murder somebody, I would hope that wouldn't be your heart. But, but the reality is, is that, is that we can get to the place where we think we can handle things that God says are not to our advantage. I can deal with that program. I can handle that activity. I can go to that place. 
I can hang around that situation. It won't bother me. I'm strong enough to deal with it. you got to be careful with that. See, God wrote the book, and God knows you better than you do. God knows me better than I know myself. God knows one thing about me and you and the whole human race is that we are rooted in pride. God gives us these warning signs, these stop signs. He puts these things in the Bible like, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them so that we are protected and safe from ourselves. I don't like when the government tries to protect me from myself. I don't like that I have to wear a seatbelt, to be quite frank with you. If I don't want to wear a seatbelt, I don't think I should have to. Especially when you don't even have to wear a helmet on a motorcycle. Makes no sense to me. But see, the problem is, is that most people don't have enough common sense to put a seatbelt on when they know it's been proven statistically to save lives. So the government says because there's a couple knuckleheads out there that are just determined to kill themselves, we're going to go ahead and make everybody comply with the law to protect them from themselves. That's why there's all these weird car seat laws for children. Now you're 23 and have to be 114 pounds to get out of a car seat. Well, why'd that happen? I'll tell you why. Because people are driving down the street yelling at their kids, Sit down! Sit down! Sit down! How old is that kid? 11. And then there's kids in the front seat that are looking, sitting backwards looking and they get in wrecks and wham! I mean, there's no common sense being exhibited here by people so that what's the government say? Because there's a couple knuckleheads that can't control their children. We're going to make everybody pay. And not only that, but it'll create a number of jobs even. So you're pretty cynical. I don't know, but I think I'm on to something here. See, God doesn't want us to have to be regulated by a set of rules. It's never been God's intention that we stand up here and try to lord over people. That's not the goal. See, God's people ought to regulate themselves. A man of God, a woman of God ought to have enough spirituality that they get convicted when they don't look right, act right, do right, and be right. There ought to be something that just says, I know this doesn't add up. Something inside tells me there's something wrong. But you've got to have a relationship with Christ for that to happen. And thus, hold on now, don't be angry with us, please. But I think you and I would agree tonight that most people struggle in that area. Therefore, certain rules and regulations, standards have to be put in place. Because if some people got an inch, they would certainly take a mile. And that's why restaurants, when they hire people, that's why businesses, when they hire people, say, here's the handbook, read it, you're expected to follow the rules. Why? It's not for the majority, it's for the minority. And I don't mean that in the sense of ethnic or racial. I'm talking about the majority of employees are going to comply because they have the character to do so. But there's always a handful that don't. Therefore, the rule book is for those that don't. 
I can't tell you how many times, this is never going to end on time. This will never end. We'll be talking about this till Jesus comes. I can't tell you how often I've heard somebody uh, about somebody that was injured, abused, or taken advantage of while being somewhere they shouldn't be or doing something they shouldn't be doing. I can't tell you how many times I've heard those things. Somebody was somewhere doing something that they clearly should not have been doing. You know, the teenager who sneaks out of the house at night and goes to the party and bad things happen. You know, the husband who should have been at home, but he was at the bar. You know, the couple that is a Christian that decided they were going to go out to a place and live it up a little bit that Saturday night. And before it was over with, some guy's hitting on his wife, and he's mad. He gets in a barroom brawl, and he finds himself with a big dent in his head. And he's like, why does trouble seem to follow me? You know that guy. Let's assume that there's a chair, this chair. Let's just assume for just a minute that this chair is radioactive. Alright? It's a radioactive chair, okay? Now you know what radioactive is. It's like after Hiroshima was the bomb was dropped on Hiroshima and all that. Radioactivity. You know the Geiger counter? You know? Radioactive. Now, here's the thing, it's radioactive. You stop by, you pick it up, you take it home with you. I say, you do understand that's radioactive, don't you? Well, yeah, but it's a perfectly fine chair. You pick it up, you put it in your truck, you take it home, you set it in your living room, and you sit in it, and you watch your shows with it every evening. One day, you're feeling kind of bad. You don't feel too good, and finally your wife says, you know what, you just need to go to the doctor and find out what's going on. You run over to the doctor. He runs some tests on you. You find out that you've got cancer. You're obviously upset. You call me, and you begin to complain about your condition. Preacher, I can't tell you. I don't know. I got cancer. This is the most worst thing I've ever... I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with it. It's driving me crazy. And I say, I don't blame you for being upset. That's a horrible diagnosis. It's a horrible thing. But you have to admit, it's not anyone's fault but your own. Why'd you say that? Well, because you invited trouble when you placed yourself in that chair knowing it was radioactive. What did you expect to happen if you sat in a radioactive chair every night? And how many times has the person ended up in a mess simply because they were somewhere doing something they shouldn't have been doing. You knew the Bible said, don't go there, don't do that, don't involve yourself in it, and you said, I'm going to sit there. I don't see, any, I don't know what the big deal is. It's radioactive. It's extremely comfortable, too. <laughs> and you know what? That's the problem, isn't it? It does feel good. And if it was so bad, why does it feel so good? 
I enjoy myself and it's comfortable. But it's radioactive. And it's killing you whether you know it or not. And that's exactly what God's trying to prevent when he talks about biblical separation. You know, too many, too many times it seems we emphasize the standard, which don't get me wrong, it's important and it's necessary. But may I say that we need to un- help people to understand that God is only trying to protect them and save them from potential harm. Our verse not only tells us not to have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but it also instructs us to reprove them. That word reprove means to to charge with a fault to the face, to chide, to reprehend. What it's saying is that, that we are to openly disapprove of such activities and even champion the cause against them. Why, why do you think it's so important? Why do you think God would have us not only, you know, avoid those things, so to speak, or why would he have us have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but then go the next step and say, reprove them, rather reprove them? Why do you think he would have us do that? Why, why go so far? Why, why make it so, such an issue? I'm sure there's a number of reasons. I really do. But one thing is I know that if I'm fighting against something, I'm probably not embracing it. I mean, if I'm in combat with someone, I'm not loving them. You understand? Secondly, I think this is important. If I am combating something, I'm fronting it. I'm visibly and vocally and even um, physically opposing it. That means everybody around me sees that. That means every one of my children know you don't do that. You don't even flirt with that. You don't entertain the thought of it. Because that's something you just simply kick and destroy. I'm just saying... I think sometimes God's trying again to protect us, but He's also trying to protect not only us, but others around us. Now again, I find that in many cases, people prefer to tempt God and even tempt themselves by exposing themselves to sin. And then they, they just trust that they'll be able to resist the evil. You know, the Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from thee. And we get the idea that, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and and go here or I'm going to do this and be involved in this activity. And then I'm just going to resist the evil of it all. I'll just, I'll repel it. I'll push it away. I'm not opposed to pushing those kind of things away. I, I think you ought to. I think that's important. But I want to go on record is saying this. I believe it is good to resist the devil and evil. But even better to avoid. Why even put myself in a harm's length? 
Why allow myself to be in a position where I'm just one step away from destruction? I'm just one breath away. I'm one, I mean one step away. Resist or avoid. I think avoiding is the best policy. And I think biblically and scripturally we see evidence of it. We notice Joseph who resisted Potiphar's wife. But the Bible tells us that at one point in that situation, and I know it was a very awkward position for him being a servant. At one point, the Bible says that she motioned for all the men to leave. Everyone departed but her and him. He knew that she had been chasing after him. She had already tried on a number of occasions to elicit his affections. I think, and I wasn't there, so I can't say he was 100% wrong or right, but I certainly believe that if I could ask Joseph today, do you wish, are you glad you resisted, or do you think it would have been better to avoid the situation? The moment they left, I wonder if maybe he could have said, I'm sorry, I'm leaving too. I have business to attend to. And avoided it. Just spiffballing. Just think out loud. And I think sometimes in our lives, we put ourselves in very awkward positions because we choose to resist. Because we're strong enough to deal with it. Or we think. So when we get on the internet, there are things that are questionable. And listen, we're all prone to this. There are things that are questionable. I can resist this. But there's a part of us that knows it's not really right. But we can resist it when probably avoiding it would be better. But if I avoided it, that would mean I couldn't do certain things. I'm not saying, what will it cost you? I'm saying, what will it cost you if you don't? See, I don't think any guy woke up one morning and just said, you know, I'm going to go to the most wicked website I can and see the most vile things I can see. I don't think they ever woke up thinking that. I want to totally disrespect my wife, disrespect my daughters. I want to totally disrespect my family. I don't think they ever did that. But I do think there came a point, and as a believer now, as a believer, that when they saw certain things, they knew this isn't going the right direction. They knew that, and they said, I can resist this. I'll let it go far enough and I'll say no. But unfortunately, they didn't. I think they'd have been better off to avoid it. Ma'am, if your husband comes to you and says, I don't think we ought to have the internet in our house. Why don't you quit arguing with him? And instead of saying, well, why not? I don't understand what the big deal is. He might be trying to save his marriage. 
Oh, I know you need to get online and you've got to chat with your buddies on Facebook. But you can have your buddies all you want when your husband's found in the throes of sin. And then you're crying at my, across from my desk telling me that he has another woman in pornography. Now listen, I'm not trying to cause trouble. I'm just saying, if the Holy Spirit convicts a man about something, maybe he's got a good reason for not wanting to have access to things. Maybe he knows he's not as strong as he'd like to be because he's just a man. And we're all prone. And it's not just that area. I'm talking about areas for wives, areas for husbands. Holy Spirit of God, let him speak to your heart. Let him reveal to you things that aren't adding up. You know when you get along with that group of ladies and things start coming up all the time, it's not just one time, not even two times. It just seems like every time you get together, it's roast somebody or something. Can I just encourage you ladies, if the Holy Spirit is saying, this is going the wrong direction. This isn't quite what I thought it should be. Why don't you avoid it Instead of trying to resist it. Because in the long run, I think you'll come out ahead much better. Now again, those are just a couple basic examples. But we could apply that to everything. I was in a, 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 a basketball league some years ago. A church league. Wasn't that long ago, really. And before the church league, uh, we got, we'd get together and we'd, we'd have a devotion. And uh, I was going there because I wanted to see how they ran their league and things like that. And I wanted to get used to it. Plus... I just, I, you know, I enjoy those kind of things anyway, but it was primarily uh, somebody in our church was going, and I wanted to see how this church was doing it, and I just wanted to get an idea how they run their, their league. So I got involved in this league. And I remember after we had done uh, our devotion stuff, getting ready to play the game, one of the guys that was like the head of the, the team, he, he said, all right, guys, he said, listen, man, why don't we all get together? Why don't we all get together uh, some Friday night and and, you know, watch some games and stuff like that. He goes, why don't we get together and go to that, um, was it that something, Wild Wing or something? It's, uh, what's that called? Somebody know what the name of that place is? Buffalo Wild Wing? Obviously too many of you go there, but <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wing. And I said, isn't that a bar? It, do they drink there? I mean, isn't that kind of like, isn't that like a sports bar setting? Oh, yeah, 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 but they have great wings. And I didn't say nothing else. I, I honestly did not know. I, th- I thought, though, that I'd seen it. I said, isn't that like a sports bar, though? Or, yeah, they got a bunch of screens, and you go there, and, you know, you can, you, I mean, you don't have to drink, but a lot of people do drink there, and, and then you can have wings and stuff like that. And I thought to myself, I don't think I'm going. I never got in their face about it. It wasn't my place to do that for them. I wasn't there to fix them. I, they said, oh, man, we missed you. I just said, yeah, I know. And one of the guys came to me and said, why didn't you go? I told him why. But he asked me. Now, here's the thing. I could not go there in good conscience because I knew that that, prim- that wasn't about food there. They make their money selling beer and wings watching pro- sports. That's a bar. I couldn't go there. If I'd have gone there, I may have been tempted to do a lot of things I don't want to do. 
Now you say, well, you're a preacher, you can handle that. First of all, you don't know who I am or what I've done, and you don't know where I've been. I'm telling you that as a believer in Christ, I, the Bible tells me now, the Bible just simply says this, very clearly, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now that, going there with those guys, would not, in my opinion, been in accordance with what that church even teaches. Because there would be things going on there that even the church wouldn't agree with. And I thought, this is supposed to be a church league. We're all supposed to be church people. And we're going to a place that does things that the world does. It doesn't add up to me. So I avoided it. I didn't go. I didn't make a big scene. I wasn't going to be holier than thou. Don't you, Christian? No, you shouldn't be going. I didn't do none of that stuff. I talked to a couple of them because they talked to me. Because you can only help people that want to help. But all I know is, is this. In your Christian life, you're going to make your own decisions. Now, if you want to sing in the choir, we're going to help you with those. Because I don't want you going out drinking or hanging out in bars and then singing the praises of Jesus on Sunday mornings and Sunday night and Wednesday nights. I don't want that. I want the power of God in this place. I, I don't want you being a Sunday school teacher telling these kids about the love of Christ and how His love can change your life and then you're still drinking or taking drugs or involved in extramarital affairs or involved in relationships outside of marriage. I don't want that. I don't think it's proper. I don't think God wants it. He wants us to be biblically separated. That's why we do what we do. It has nothing to do with trying to be mean or better than anybody else. It's simply, we want God to be honored in our lives and in our ministries, our homes, our families. And so what we're going to do is separate ourselves in our associations, that those things are going to lead us astray, those things that are going to invite darkness into our life, those kind of relationships that are going to ultimately spurn us or motivate us to think or do things that are inappropriate, and we're not going to be involved in activities that are clearly worldly and do not serve to draw us nigh to Christ, but instead separate us maybe a little bit from Him. So we're careful. Biblical separation. It starts here. Holy Spirit conviction. Now I want to encourage you to take time to spend quiet time with God in your life. Don't just go through your prayer list. Take just even a minute or two and just let God speak to you. David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Let God reveal your heart to you. And you'll begin to find yourself being a little more careful as God begins to direct you. You'll obey Him. You'll find yourself saying, I heard, I know what He wants. He don't want that for me. I want it for me, but He doesn't. And like F.B. Meyer said, you'll say, Lord, I, uh, I want to be willing. I'm not willing, but I want to be willing. Help me to be willing. And God will begin to work in your life. And you'll find that the Holy Spirit will help you to make decisions that will eventually separate you and then ultimately bring great power in your life to overcome, to be victorious. And then you'll be in a position to help other people be victorious as well. Well, anyway, Father, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, we 
None of us are perfect. We're all just works in progress around here. Lord, but we do want to please